Our reading today is taken from John chapter 4, verses 27 to 32. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I have ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Good afternoon. It's great to see you again. And we're going to um, pick up this story that we've looked at for the last uh, couple of weeks and try and understand a little more of what this tells us about who Jesus is. But before we get to that, I want you to imagine that I am a composer. I'm not, but imagine I was. And I set myself to write an opera, and I defined it to you as my life's work. It was what I was going to pour my life into. It was going to be my bread and butter. It was going to be the thing that was my legacy to the world. Now, there would be a number of things that would come along in my life that would distract me. And if I was the impatient sort of composer, then I'd have very little time for distractions from writing my opera. There would be things that I would have to do, but they wouldn't be what I'd want to be doing. I'd want to be doing my opera. Well, this afternoon, I want us to explore if we could ask Jesus, what is your life's work, Jesus? What was it you came to do? I wonder what he would say. That's what we're going to try and explore together. And it might challenge us as we think about our lives. What is it that we're giving our lives to? What is our life's work? At the end of your life, what is it that you want to be your legacy to the world? Many people today are driven by that question, what am I here for? What's my purpose? What am I doing? Well, we're going to see what Jesus would answer to that question. And it might even help us begin to answer that question for ourselves as well. Well, we picked up the, um, the reading, and if you haven't been here, then you may be surprised at where the <laughs> reading started. Um, it started with the disciples of Jesus coming back. They've been off to buy some food. They come back and they find Jesus talking with a woman, and they are surprised, but it's a slightly awkward moment. No one dares ask Jesus, what do you want or why are you talking with her? It's a slightly awkward moment. Jesus is having a conversation with a woman at a well in the middle of the desert, and they've been talking about all sorts of things. We discovered two weeks ago that she's a woman who's thirsty, who's longing for satisfaction. Jesus says, I can give you living water that will fully satisfy you. And then last week we saw that she's a woman who is confused. She doesn't know how to worship God or who God is or where to find God. And Jesus says, I can explain that to you. I can give you water for your thirst. I can give you clarity for your confusion. And then Jesus' disciples get back and find him having this conversation, and they're clearly not very impressed. But Jesus' response is fascinating. We're going to see that Jesus thinks that that conversation is his life's work. That's what he came to do. This wasn't a distraction, an irritation, a frustration. This is exactly what he came to do. This conversation with this woman at this well, that's what he's about. 
So the disciples are surprised. The woman is excited. She leaves her water jar behind. She came to the well to get water. She's forgotten about the water now. She's so excited about what she's found in this man, Jesus. She goes running back to the town. And this is what she says to the people. Come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? What a great question. Could this man be the one that we've been waiting for? Could he be the one who makes sense of our world? Could he be the one who can truly satisfy our thirst? Could he be the one who could truly give clarity to our confusion? Could he be the one who can put everything right? And the whole town are interested and they start making their way towards Jesus. But the disciples have got other things on their mind. They're concerned about food. So they urge Jesus, eat something. And then Jesus says this extraordinarily confusing thing. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. You have to sometimes feel sorry for the disciples, don't you? They're just trying to care for Jesus to give him some food. And Jesus says the most extraordinary things. And they don't get it straight after these verses. Not printed on your sheet, but straight afterwards. They say to each other, oh, could someone have bought him food? Has someone been sneaking him food parcels while we've been off buying food for him? They just don't understand. And when Jesus talks about the food that they know nothing about, he's talking about his life's work. His bread and butter, he says, this is what I came to do. And so he explains it to them in verse 34. This isn't on your sheets, but listen to what he says. My food, says Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus says, this is what I'm about. I have been sent on a mission with a work to do. It makes a big difference if you are sent to do something. So supposing I um, decide to go to the supermarket and uh, I go just to browse, just for my own enjoyment, and I walk up and down the aisles and I'm free to look at things and I'm free to examine things and when I'm bored I can leave. It's very different if I'm sent to the supermarket. So perhaps my wife says to me, could you go and get me some tomato puree? Right now I, I'm no longer free to enjoy the supermarket and to browse and to leave when I'm ready. Now I am sent. There is a work to do. I have a mission. I have to find the tomato puree which unbelievably is not next to the tomato ketchup. I don't get it. Why don't supermarkets organize things? Anyway, so there's a mission to do, and, I'm, and Jesus sees himself as one who is sent with a job to do. Of course, the question then comes, well, well who, who sent him? Well, the answer of John's gospel is that God the Father sent Jesus his son. So Jesus says, my life's work is to do what God has sent me to do. God sent his son, Jesus, with a work to do. And Jesus says, that's what I want to give my life to. And what is that work? That work is to bring eternal life to people like this woman at the well. That work is to give living water to thirsty people. 
Jesus has just said to this woman, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me and I would have given you living water and that water would have become like a spring of eternal life in you. This is what Jesus came to do. You see, the woman by the well, the disciples may have thought she was a distraction and insignificant, but Jesus sees her as precisely why he came. He came to have an encounter with people who are thirsty and to give them what they need. That's why God sent Jesus. He loves this world and he sees this world is thirsty and so he sent his son. And it is that mission that drove Jesus. It drove him all the way to his death on the cross. You see, it's interesting in John's Gospel, when Jesus gets to the cross and he dies, do you know what he cries out as he dies? It is finished. I've done it. You see, Jesus sees his mission. He sent from God to give living water to people who are thirsty, and he does that by going to a cross to die. And it's as he dies that he says, I've finished. It's all done. This was the work I came to do. Because as Jesus dies on the cross, he makes living water available for us. He makes eternal life available to us. Because if I'm brutally honest, the way that I often live my life, the way that I make my life's work about my name and my reputation and my comfort and my pleasure and my success, I live my life that way. And I ignore the God who made me. And I deserve to be thirsty. I deserve punishment for the way that I've lived. But Jesus came to take that punishment. That was his mission. To forgive people like me who've lived my life wrong. Jesus came to forgive me and to give me living water. And that was the life's work of Jesus. That was the food that he lived for. That was his great opera, eternal life. I find that very exciting. And I find it exciting because of the way that Jesus treated this woman. You know, in my great pursuit of my name and my reputation, sometimes people get in my way. Sometimes I get impatient with people, I get distracted. You know, these people are spoiling things. And when people don't do what I want them to do, they become so irritating to me. Do you ever, ever have this sort of experience? I know what I want to achieve, and I know that I want people to be impressed by me, and this person is spoiling it. But here is Jesus who teaches us how to treat people. Jesus had time for this woman. The disciples didn't, but Jesus did. He had time to speak to her, time to answer her questions, time to love her, and he said, that is my life's work. And right after Jesus said this, he then said to his disciples, come and join me in this. Come and join me. He talked about being farmers who, sow a, uh, who reap a harvest. I sent you to reap what you've not worked for. 
Others have done the hard work, but you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Jesus says, come join me. Come and be people who make it your life's work to bring eternal life. What could be better than to be involved in that great mission? What could be better than to give our lives so that thirsty people might find life in Jesus? I don't know where you're coming from this afternoon. I know hardly any of you. It's one of the joys of coming to preach when you don't know people. No one can feel like you're particularly getting at them. But it may be that this afternoon you say, Jesus, I I want that life that you came to bring. I'm tired of trying to make a name for myself. I'm tired of pursuing my life's work in order to be impressive. Please would you satisfy me. I'm sorry for going the wrong way. Please give me life. And it may be that you're someone who's done that. You know that life. And actually Jesus now says, will you make it your life's work to care for people? Perhaps to care for the people that no one else is bothered about. That others might come to know this eternal life, this joy of life with God forever. So Jesus has a work to do, given him by God. He finished that work, even to death on a cross did it for you so that you could have eternal life and now he says hey come join me come make your life's work my life's work come live for eternal life why don't we bow our heads and let's pray together heavenly father we thank you we thank you that jesus was clear on the work that you had given him to do Father, thank you that Jesus came to give life, eternal life. And Father, we ask that you would please help us to drink deeply of this eternal life. Help us to know Jesus. Thank you that not one of us in this room is beyond reach of him. Not one of us in this room is too insignificant or small. Thank you that Jesus is bothered about each of us. And we ask that we would know him and we ask that we would make our life's work to follow him and to share him with others. Father, thank you that Jesus is this one, this Messiah, who can satisfy our thirst, who can bring clarity to our confusion and who can give us life forever. We praise you in his name. Amen.